Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. In this week's episode, Lauren and Rob rap about digital transformation and how having a bias towards action and being obsessed with your customers is vital. Later in the episode, the dynamic duo are joined by Adam Sprecher, Vice President of Strategy and Development for Salo. Here, Mann, Jones, and Sprecher discuss the ins and outs of digital transformation in the staffing and recruiting sphere. Having recently put a focus on digital transformation at Salo, Sprecher speaks firsthand about the challenges they faced, the strategies that worked, and the lessons learned along the way. The crew also chats about the three W's, the whys, the wins, and the what else that ensure success in digital transformation, how to cultivate sticky consultants who are ripe for redevelopment, why Salo chose to relabel their core value of innovation to curiosity, and becoming a destination employer on the back of your transformation efforts. This episode is brought to you by Daxtra Technologies and Able. Please remember to rate, review, and share the episode, and you can subscribe for all the updates and live chats at www.ableteams.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Sally says seashores down by the seashore. What's up, Lauren? How are you doing? Fantastic. I was just doing my vocal warm-up, my mouth warm-up. Sally sells seashores down by the seashore. This is how we do this, people. We have to be ready. We literally will try and make ourselves laugh for a minute before we start recording. And then we laugh, and then we start recording. I hit record a little too early, and so Lauren is going to be on the recording. (laughs) Going a big black bug bit a big black bear. And this is a good thing to do before you record podcasts or start cold calling or you have a demo. So it's all relevant. Anyway. Yes, all all relevant. Practice makes perfect. Lauren, today we have a fantastic episode. We're sitting down with Adam Sprecher, the VP of Cool Stuff. (laughs) I think that's the best job title ever. Uh, He's the VP of Development and Strategy at Salo, which is a Minneapolis and Chicago-based HR finance recruiting firm. Really cool. He's in the middle of a digital transformation journey. And we are in the middle or towards the end of the Olympics. So shout out to Gable Steveson, who literally won his heavyweight freestyle wrestling match with 0.2 seconds left. He got a takedown to score two points. He was down by one and he won. And he is a 21-year-old college junior, by the way, and that just did that, which is unheard of. It's been really fun to watch Team USA wrestling and also all the other teams. Also, the women's A team in beach volleyball just won, so shout out to the ladies. And I'm just loving all the Olympics. I've been waking up at 4 a.m. every day, by the way, just so you know, to watch the wrestling because that's when it's on. I do too, but I wake up at 4 a.m. because the roosters make me. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a call at 8 a.m. because you tend to work. Or you work 5 a.m., you have a call because you tend to work East Coast time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. East Coast time. Yeah. Anyway, all of this to say, what are we going to rap about? (laughs) Today. Well, I'm so excited for Adam's conversation. Obviously, you know, I'm a huge Salo fan. I just got my Salo little bomber jacket, and I'm just going to say Salo has the best swag ever. I just have uh, some golf balls and some tees. What did you get? 
I got my little bomber jacket, just, you know, I had a little package that showed up on the door and it took me a few days to open it. And I realized it was my Salo jacket. So first of all, I got to publicly thank the Salo marketing team for having the coolest swag in the industry, but including me. I did get a Kylo hat, but it's not as probably as cool as a bomber jacket. It's not as cool as the bomber jacket. They do have the best swag in the world. The nicest company I've ever had the pleasure of doing business with. So, but the conversation that we're having today and the cool thing about it is that they are living and breathing it today. This isn't coming and giving us anecdotes or pontificating about what they're looking to do. They are in the thick of it, have been in the thick of it, and have really crammed into one year what I see most firms take three years to do, and they're doing it well. So we're talking about digital transformation and best practices and causation and pain and lessons along the way. And I think it's just going to be such a meaty discussion for all of our SMB, our mid-sized firms to look at and aspire to. And we're going to wrap, remember, listeners, readiness, awareness, proactiveness. So let's talk about digital transformation and readiness, Rob. Readiness, Rob, responsiveness. Look at all of this alliteration is happening. You are quite Shakespearean. By the way, I just want to say, Stormy, who helps with copywriting and is on the ABLE side of the deal, ABLE is one of our sponsors or lead sponsors. She listened to the episode after we recorded it and was like, this thing is incredible. Like, because she always listens to him and helps write the copy. And she was so impressed with this episode. So just to give a little more context about how good it is. Anyway, enough bragging about the context. So for <laughs> readiness, guys, it is all about who you are selling to. In terms of digital transformation, you have to think about your end clients. And staffing leaders have three. I'm going to give them three, Lauren. Yes, I agree with you. Internal, external. I mean, you've got your internal consumer. That's your colleague. You've got your external candidate and you have your clients, you know, the three C's, colleagues, clients, and candidates. Look at you. You're all over the alliteration today. Yeah. I don't know what's happening today. And then all of those people are consumers. So, you know, ah. Yep. So pay attention to your consumers, which are internal and external The lucky thing about staffing is we have two customers instead of one, and then we have our internal employees. So think about how other people serve their customers. Think about how the best companies in the world, the best H divisions in the world, serve their internal employees and their external employees. And what's really nice is there's so many podcasts, there's so much data, there's email newsletters talking about D2C, right, direct-to-consumer B2B, there's just so many resources. So find a couple that really align with what you're trying to do and start watching them and trying to like see if you can implement little things and then planning maybe for bigger things that you think would be more strategic and heavier lifts. But that's really like, listen, you are going to be out of business if you are not obsessed with your customers. Uh, and I think we 100%. all know that, but I'm just going to say it again. So you want to say it too? Just give a... You will be out of business if you are not customer obsessed. I 100% agree. And that's the readiness is responsiveness. Responsiveness and agility are the two words that you need to meet the need of the consumer, which is your candidate and your client and your internal colleague. Your internal colleague has expectations that they'll be able to do their job efficiently. That's going to require potentially a tech stack and more operational efficiency and better workflows and better processes. So that responsiveness is all encompassing and you have to be willing to listen to the good and the bad and the ugly. You have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to watch, take notes when you've had an amazing customer experience. How could you infuse part of 
that into your candidate experience or, you know, the other side of that is when you've had a terrible experience and what that feels like and what you can do to avoid that. So readiness is about responsiveness and agility and listening with an open mind to all of the ideas, all of the feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. I will say, and I'm not going to curse, but you also have to give a, and then I'll, the curse word will follow. I give a rip. You have to give a rip. You have to care. And I think that was something that I'm really starting to embrace more now in this part of my career in the staffing world, like having conversations where I really care about my customers. And like, I really only want to work with ones that really care about the things that make sense to me that I'm focused on. So anyway. Yeah. Agree. Awareness. So let's talk about awareness, right? You and I were talking a little bit about it beforehand. And awareness is about showing up. What awareness is, we're talking about engaging, right? We're talking about showing up consistently. Like before this call, we were planning this and Laura and I were talking about like, if you want to get fit, you need to show up consistently. Like the hardest part is showing up consistently, even if you don't feel like it, but that's going to pay dividends. So if you're paying attention to the little things and just being consistent, thinking about that 1% better mentality, thinking like your business is a self-improvement book or journey and always being on that journey. And it goes back to innovation. So we're going to keep saying the word innovation. The road to self-improvement is always under construction. That is a saying that I sort of live by and I'm okay being a work in progress. And I used to not be okay with that, particularly when I was younger. I was like always in such a hurry to like get to the end, get to the perfect body or get to the garden being fully grown. And there's so much of the journey and there's so much to learn, but you got to show up. And I think that's engage in a community, listen to podcasts, educate yourself with books. I mean, I remember when I opened my business last year, I don't know that there was a day that went by that I didn't have a book in my face. I wasn't consuming some sort of intelligence to, you know, get better, faster, stronger, figure out where trends were and what was happening and how I could be better. And I think that business owners have a responsibility and it's not just about self-growth and leadership growth. It's understanding and adapting to your surroundings, get involved with the Alternative Staffing Alliance. There's SIA, there's ASA, there's so many different ways to get involved. Just get involved. Lauren was pounding on the desk again, so. I'm on the counter so you can't Uh, hear it. Oh, I heard it. (laughs) Oh, you did? (laughs) Anyway, it's okay. We're all works in progress and you only gently banged on the desk today so you're like picked it up. Sorry. I can't help it. I get fired up. People, you know, with my gratitude, they're like, how come you're always so positive? And it takes work. You know, happiness is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. And so is, you know, being a part of something bigger. And there's so much to be embraced in our staffing and recruiting industry. We are a tight little bunch if you get involved. And it took me too long to figure that out. So anybody listening, heed my advice. (laughs) Get involved. Lauren got a lot closer to the microphone right there. And there really is so many ways. So if you ever need help figuring out where you need to be or where you should be, we're happy to assist and be a guide. Like I wanted to be involved. So I was like, I'm just going to create my own podcast because I want to talk about these things. And thankfully, gratefully, Lauren wanted to join me on this adventure at some point last year. Why wouldn't I? This is fun. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes to the last thing. Don't be afraid if your community doesn't exist to just create one. Like be proactive in creating the reality that you're looking to do or be or whatever it is. Like, number one, I think the most successful people in the world and the people who make the most money, by the way, are the most creative. Mm -hmm. People who create are making money. They're printing money. 
people who consume, they could be happy. I'm not saying they're not, but they're not Elon Musk or Tim Cook or Steve Jobs. Those guys created, right? They threw it to the wind and they were like, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. So I'm not saying you have to be that way. I'm saying that there's lots of different paths to it. But if something doesn't exist, whether it's going to make you money or not, you know what? Go figure out how to be creative, which is its own creative process by itself. Yeah. And I think that that's also a misperception is that there's a prescribed way or an exact way to build your $25 million firm. There's not. It's messy. It's imperfect. There's so many $25 million firms. There's so many $25 million and they firms. they all did it a little differently. And they might did it massively differently. Every single differently. one of them did it a little bit differently. And they're scaling their businesses differently. And the one thing that I can tell you that all of them do is take action. Could be messy action, but they take action. A bias towards action. Yeah, bias towards action. I love that saying um, of yours. So the Masters of Scale class with Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, right? The first class that he did, I did like a 30-day, 10-minute. It's like a podcast conversation. He basically curates on a topic one of the episodes he did with the leader. Okay, so the first thing he teaches you, leaders have a bias towards action. That's the first lesson of all of the lessons he teaches throughout this like month. He says, this is the most important thing is having a bias towards action. So with that said, we are super thrilled to get to our interview with Adam. And also this episode is brought to you before we jump over to the commercial in a second here. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Able, which we already mentioned because they are our lead sponsor. And by our really good friends over at Daxtra Tech, who are just knocking it out of the park, helping people get good data and make it easy to use good data, right? Because like I say, when I sell great recruiters, you need to capture data and then make it usable. And Daxtra does both really well. So anyway, Lauren, this has been a great wrap. I'm excited for our conversation on digital transformation with Adam. Any last words, any parting words? Guys, get excited and take notes. Get your pencil, get your pen ready, get your notepad ready, because I feel like there's some really good nuggets. I try and leave our listeners, we both try and leave our listeners with tangible things to walk away with and go execute on or ideas. And so get your pen and pad ready, because I think that there's some good ideas and some good bias towards action takeaways in this episode. So get ready. I think it's going to be awesome. All right, guys, see you on the other side. Daxter Technologies is a world-leading specialist in high-accuracy multilingual resume and job parsing, as well as semantic search, match, and aggregation technologies. Global clients are supported via strategic office locations in the Americas, EMEA, and APAC. Daxter's resume parsing, searching, and matching software is a great way to save on the administration overheads of retrieving, optimizing, storing, managing, analyzing, and searching candidate and vacancy data. The fully featured recruitment process software, which, when used to its full potential, provides powerful recruitment workflow tools that maximize the value of your recruitment database and the business procedures that drive it. To learn more, visit Daxtra.com. That's D-A-X-T-R-A dot com. Able offers a fully featured onboarding automation platform to help staffing firms just like yours ensure all candidates have a world-class onboarding experience. The company's mobile-first platform makes qualifying, hiring, and engaging candidates easy for everyone involved. Able is trusted by some of the world's largest staffing agencies and can automate even the most complex of hiring workflows giving your team 40% of their day back and allowing you to hire up to 90% faster at half the cost. Visit ableteams.com to learn more.
What's up, Lauren? How you doing? I am super fantastic, Rob. How are you? Ooh, feeling super fly. Well, I am feeling extra, what do I usually say? Super califragilisticexpialidocious. Not docious. I make something up. Fantastic. There we go. Anyway, we have a great guest with us today. We have the vice president of strategy and development, and I got it out of my mouth there, so I didn't mess it up. Adam Sprecher. Adam, how you doing, man? I am doing awesome. Excited to be here with you, Rob and Lauren. Been looking forward to this conversation. A lot of fun stuff to get through. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. We are really excited. So I'll let Lauren tee up why we're really excited to talk to you, Adam, and then you can go into your two-minute elevator pitch. But Lauren, this is one of your like favorite things to talk about, so I will leave this to you. Oh my gosh. I mean, how many podcasts, how many episodes, how many webinars have I done on digital transformation, doing it right? And we have here Adam from Salo, who's gone through an extensive digital transformation. And I think hearing directly from those with experience, you know, the bumps and the bruises and the lessons learned along the way, that is, I think, one of the most important and intangible things that we can give our listeners is that firsthand experience because taking on something like this is a big deal. It can be costly if you don't do it right. It can also be frustrating for your end users and it can really weigh on your end users. And so how do you avoid you know, fatigue and how do you avoid all of the pitfalls of digital transformation. I think Salo's done it beautifully. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But so I'm really excited to talk about that so that we can give our listeners, you know, some of golden nuggets of how to do it right. All right. So Adam, let's go. Yeah. Who are you? What is Salo? How did you end up being the director of strategy and development? <laughs> or well, the VP? I, I, I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to get through all of that. So I'll do the abridged version, quite honestly. That's why it's uh, a two-minute elevator pitch. That exactly. But Salo, you know, we're a talent firm focused in the finance, accounting, and HR space. We've been based in Minneapolis and Chicago for the last almost 19 years, but excited about our expansion as we've moved outside of those two markets and like most organizations on a national basis now. And so and our core focus is, you know, really, truly creating meaningful experiences for our consultants and the talent that we engage with, help them take their passions, take their expertise and find what's next for them. And that's been the core focus for us. And for me, coming to the firm almost 14 years ago, I left an organization that that wasn't the focus, you know, just turning cranks and making money was all that they really cared about. And that was not a place I wanted to spend my career, you know, spend much more time with. So it was, you know, very fortunate. I actually got referred to Salo to be a recruiting consultant. So I'm a recovering recruiter. Once a recruiter, always a recruiter, right? Never leaves the blood. And, you know, for all the right reasons, it was like, yeah, maybe not right now, but got the dime turned on me and said, hey, why don't you come work internally and do business development with us? And like I said, I was more than ready to depart where I was at. So joined here and now it's been almost 14 years of just truly amazing experiences, both business development, sales leadership ops leadership. And now in this awesome role of my core focus right now is helping us set the stage for our strategic growth initiatives and helping kind of paint the path for how are we going to continue to grow and achieve the things that we want to achieve, creating more truly meaningful experiences for consultants and talent alike. And now continuing to do that in Minneapolis and Chicago, but on a national footprint. And that is super, super exciting. It's been a journey that to this point, I can't imagine what comes next for us. So for us as an organization, I'm not going to say that our key differentiator is relationships because everybody's key differentiator is relationships. But I will say this, what has been our differentiator in relationships is putting consultants first, putting talent first. 
that has been it from day one, right? When we think about what do we need to do, where do we need to go? It is through the lens of, does this create a more meaningful experience for our talent? Does this help us build stronger relationships with our talent? And is this what our talent really wants? And when we can answer yes to those three things and more, all right, let's do it. And when we can't, we got to challenge ourselves to say, well, why are we doing it? What's the purpose of this? How is this going to help us really continue to live our mission, vision, and values? And to be part of an organization that's almost 20 years old, that's how they operate. That's not just what they say. It's truly how they operate. Sometimes I feel like I do wake up, pinch myself and say, it's a pretty awesome place to work. It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't mention Scott McGregor with the Talent Champions Council. <laughs> this guy's getting so much free advertising. We love you, Scott. But people over everything. That is his mantra. And just having consulted with Salo, I can say this is a people over everything organization. And that's why they've had the success that they've had. I like to highlight too, is like I was listening to how people talk about the organization, right? Yes, and, and absolutely. You can, and you can hear from the actual, the words that they use the way that they talk about it, the decisions they make and how they make decisions about the actual organization itself. Listen, if you started a savvy company to make a lot of money, cool. Yeah, it's totally fine. Hopefully you made a lot of money. But if you want your employees to be really jazzed about going to work for you and make a lot of money, a place like Salo sounds like we're somewhere you want to be. So Yeah, talk a little bit about your retention because I think that is one of the things that makes you super, super special from a consultant perspective because we're in a talent-starved market right now. And I think what you've been able to do from a retention perspective is pretty spectacular. Yeah, so these are probably maybe a couple months oldish because I haven't just refreshed here lately. But you know, as we came into 2021, we all went through in 2020, which was not awesome. As we came to 2021, we started to see the business rebound in a really awesome way. And we said, okay, how do we really kind of capitalize on this and really make an impact for our talent? We did some look and I can share a couple of key stats around in the almost 20 years that we've been in business, there are roughly 20 people that I could name off the top of my head that have been with us for at least 15 of those 20 years, continuously consulting, doing project-based work. We've got somewhere north of 75 that have been with us for more than 10 years. And the number is well north of 125 that have been with us for more than three years. So we really do kind of walk the walk with that talk of putting consultants first of, you know, how do we continuously find meaningful work for them and keep them moving from project to project? So at the end of the day, we can provide amazing benefits. We can create an amazing experience. We can make it really easy to work with us. But at the end of the day, what does great talent want? They want great work. They want meaningful work. And so being able to know them, understand them and provide that, that's what's been kind of a a secret to our success, which isn't a secret, right? I mean, Everyone's trying to do that. But I think some of the nuances of how we go about it has that is what's differentiated it and built kind of this talent pool that, yeah, we know really well. And sure, they're going to listen to other firms when they get calls, but you know, their likelihood to say, hmm, I'm going to hold out just a little bit longer, or hmm, I'm not going to do that because I know sales is going to get me the next thing. And it's going to be something I'm really going to enjoy. That's what makes it special. Yeah. That stickiness is what everybody is vying for right now. And for sure. everybody gets it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. And, and guys, just to be clear, like those are external place talent. That's not the internal talent. That Correct. Salo has. Yep. So yep. just to be clear. All right. Well, let's turn this conversation because Salo is about a year into a or more into a digital transformation journey, right? Journeys have no ends. They're continuous pieces of work, just like yourself and also your businesses. You should be working on those. So Adam, really yeah. great culture, really great retention. You guys were doing a lot of really great things. And then you also decided to like, hey, we got to figure out how to make technology work for us. Walk us through kind of like what caused that and what were the pain points? What was the realization? What was the aha moment maybe that caused this journey to get on the rails? 
Yeah, well, I'm going to step it back a little bit further in time and share a little inside knowledge here at Salo. It was not barely even four years ago. We were all working off of desk PC towers. Like we weren't even on laptops yet. Yeah, I, I know. Exactly. And so we've come from that world, right? With a lot of great people leading the charge, setting the course and helping us get to where today to a much different space. But I think the biggest impetus was mid-2019. So let's go back about two years ago. We were charged from our two owners and co-founders to say, hey, how do we take this thing to a whole nother level and really create something so unique and special in this business and in this industry? What's that going to take? And as we dug into that and thought about, okay, well, what's possible, right? And so you start to think about all kinds of different, what would successful meaning be for us and, and what's growth objectives look like and numbers that we could aspire to. We started to look at some of the limiting factors of how we structured the business, the things that made us successful, the things that enabled us to get to where we were at at that point in time. Many of them weren't scalable. Many of them were some very manual. It took a person and in some instances, multiple people and handoffs to get something accomplished. And when we talk about speed in the marketplace today and how fast things are moving, that was going to be a challenge for us to meet that speed of demand, both from talent expectations, but also from client expectations. And so we knew right then and there to say, hey, if we want to continue to be who we are and expand upon this in a different, meaningful way, our ability to embrace technology and introduce technology in a meaningful way is going to be and critical to this. And so the past two years now has really kind of drove that and you know, silver linings for whatever they're worth in COVID that gave us and as long as many others, right, the change mechanism to say it's not an option anymore, right? We can no longer stand around and manually write things on a whiteboard to manage the business because we're just not physically in the office. So it's just done. So now we have to embrace technology. Now we have to embrace good data and business processes. Or in some instances, we had to develop them like literally over a weekend because we needed them when we closed the offices on Friday to be there on Monday. So that helped a ton. And I think the wins along the way that we've experienced the last 18 months has certainly given us the foundation to say, okay, let's go do more. Let's expand upon this. But it's certainly been something where it's like, well, we've always done it this way and it really works. Can't we just do more of this? Like, well, we could, but that's still only going to get us so far. It's only going to allow for us to accomplish so much. And with a team filled of overachievers and all type A personality, like that's not good enough. How do we make this something truly more meaningful and do it in a way nobody else has done it before and, and separate ourselves in the market? Absolutely. And I love the fact that you approached this from humility, looking at what limiting factors do we have? You know, how many people are handling how much touch, how much manual process do we have going on? And when we talk about digital transformation and really questioning the underlying or foundational systemic behaviors that we have going on, that's where it has to start because you can't come into it and go, well, I'm going to slap technology on it. It's going to be better. We have to look at it at the whole thing. Why do we do what we do? And if the answer is because we've always done it that way, that's where you know we need to check the ego at the door and we need to go move it to the right, <laughs> move it to the right and start with how are we going to do this a new and better way that's scalable? And I think scalability is something that organizations can be a little bit short-sighted on. Yeah. And, you know, for us, part of that scalability was how do we make just the first step? Right. So, yeah, you can think about scalability of, well, wouldn't it be really cool in a couple of years that this is true? Well, yes. But what's that first step? And sometimes there's multiple first steps that you have to continue to iterate off of. And I think that was part of our kind of initial set of challenges was pick an area of the business. Right. And we could take a first step. 
there was not one area of the business, right? It wasn't sales, it wasn't recruiting, it wasn't internal ops. Like you could pick anywhere across our organization as an initial starting point. And at the same time, you can't take it all on. You can't try to accomplish it all at the same time. And so setting kind of priority and guidance, and that's again where you know having a vision and having a strategic plan to be kind of the guidepost to say, well, if we want all these things to be true in two years, three years, five years, what needs to be true? next year, what needs to be true in the next six months. And that really helped break it down in a more consumable fashion. So as we started to talk about current tech and emerging tech that we were going to need to identify, okay, now we can have some really good conversations of how to go about it. It's a really good point that you talk about because you can't eat the whole elephant, right? You will burn out your people. You will burn oh, out the organization. And I'm a big fan of, I think Big Bang Theory has its place. You know, but there's also something to be said for this very regimented, precise sort of scalability to implementation, right? So share with our listeners of how you chunked it out, you know, how you decided to prioritize and how that's led to better adoption. Yeah. So, I mean, get center point of everything for us. So what can we or do we need to do that's going to enable us to put more consultants to work? And again, especially coming out of COVID, right? When our industry and many others, certainly, right? were just decimated with people not working, right? Companies pulled back. They weren't as much spend. They weren't putting people into roles. All of that, that was true not even 12 months ago. And so we you know, looked at the, how do we just put more people back to work and create you know, more meaningful experiences for them to then go build their career on? Hopefully with us here at Salo, for sure. But you know, whatever's the next thing after them, fine. We at least got them back into the right track. And so we started taking a look at, from a technology standpoint, from a business process standpoint, what did we need there to be true? And it all centered around that. And that then how were we both attracting more talent and then ultimately managing that talent and deploying that talent. And so in those kind of three buckets, but we maybe didn't position it that way to our organization. Those are the things that we were looking at of how do we bring more into us? How do we use technology to both automate and attract it into the organization while it's here? How do we engage with it, communicate with it and make sure that they understand who we are and what we're doing for them. And then ultimately deployment and redeployment, because you know, what we know to be true as I'm sure many in the industry, you know, once you get someone moved from that first project to that second project, a third project, that stickiness, it really starts to hold. And not that you can let up on it, but it kind of does its own thing. And so that was a focus of saying, okay, how do we get our existing people out back again? How do we get more new people coming to us and out again? And so that was the core focus was around putting more people to work. And then you kind of center like a bullseye. That's the bullseye put more people to work and do it in a meaningful way. All right. Outside of that, what's the next ring? What's the next ring? What's the next ring? We kept kind of peeling that onion back and going those next layers. And we've got a ways to go on the journey, but that's where it all started from. So it's all around communication. It's all around visibility. It's all about making sure that that has a singular focus. And that's another thing we talk about in digital transformation, right? Is start with the things that are closest to the dollar, because if you can see some immediate ROI, you can pay for the next one and the next one and the next one. And so, yeah, when you start with, I'm reducing time to fill or I'm putting more people to work or I'm redeploying in a better, more efficient way, all of those things will help you see that ROI. And then, you know, once again, have a very deliberate roadmap that it doesn't have to be two years of losing money or two years of overspending. It really, really doesn't. Digital transformation can be in bite-sized pieces as you grow the organization and pay for it along the way. Yeah, I think what I was going to ask is kind of a parallel to that too, right? So in staffing, unlike a SaaS business where you can go in the red for 20 years like Netflix before you actually have a black quarter, staffing businesses are meant to make money immediately. Yeah. Uh, So you can't, to Lauren's point, and Lauren always talks about this when we talk about digital transformation is 
figure out what is closest to the dollar and work from there from a scalability perspective to help pay for the next part of the journey, which is incredible, right? And we've been saying this almost for a year and a half now, Lauren, on the pod. So, But the other thing is like the focusing on, you guys already knew how to redeploy, which is a struggle a lot of the times. So wrapping technology around a culture that's already strong in it probably was easier to scale than trying to have to have technology and then discover how to use that technology to improve redeployment, right? Like you already solved the harder problem, which was what do we do to create that redeployment culture between internally and externally, right? Like to yeah. communicate that. And so scaling it, because like talking to customers in a meaningful way, which is something you keep saying, is not something that can be scaled necessarily through technology. Transactional conversation bits can be, but when you really want to understand somebody, you cannot scale that through technology. That is a human thing. So that is an yeah. unscalable, immensely valuable piece of your culture and puzzle. But all the other little things that eat away from time from that can be, which leads to the higher redeployment number. So it's like the unscalable sure. versus the scalable. Yeah. And give you a great example of this, right? So as the business started to come back a year ago, so we, uh, two years ago now, introduced the Sense texting platform to our teams, right? Which was at the time, right? this novel concept of we we're going to have this integrated technology with our CRM with Bullhorn that, you know, could track all this activity, right? Because what we knew to be true already was our business development teams, they were texting with our consultants and with our clients on a regular basis more than they even recognized themselves. So it wasn't new business practice, but what we were introducing was, hey, let's just do it in a way that then allows for us to share information with each other because it's going to be capturing the CRM. You know, by the way, it allows us to use a tool to do things that on your cell phone are super clunky or you can't even accomplish. And so we got through some of those hurdles. And as we came through last year and the business started to come back, saw the teams in a really awesome way, to your point about scalability, Rob, use that to help put more people back to work. So taking new practices, which were new to us, not certainly new to the industry, but like being able to broadcast out to a larger group of people like, hey, we've got these five new gigs. Are you available? Are you interested? Or, you know, what's changed in your world? And let's have a meaningful conversation versus the old days of literally picking up the phone and calling 20 people. That creates efficiency. That creates scalability. And that's no less of a meaningful exchange because in today's world, most people actually prefer to respond to a text, especially if, you know, they're currently working, right? Being able to step outside, you know, a conference room, you hop off a video call, whatever else. You can't do it. I can send you a text while I'm sitting here having this conversation on the podcast. So to your point, those little wins of like, how do you scale some things or add technology to do some things we were really already good at? I think our teams were surprised that we were actually able to do that because that was some of the kind of beholden, like, this is what makes us special. This is part of our secret sauce. It's like, well, it is, but that doesn't mean technology can't help. So now that you brought up teams, let's talk a little bit about some of the pains of digital transformation. And let's talk about pains as it pertains to adoption, perception. People are inherently change adverse, right? So changing attitudes about it is an important part of digital transformation. I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. You must, must, must do this, you know, sort of internal marketing coat of paint to help people see what you see. So tell us a little bit about the good, the ups and the downs of adoption and change management? It's a great question. I think a couple of key lessons learned as we've now come through this. One of them is that you can't over-communicate the whys. I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. I'm a big fan of Start With Why, like all that kind of stuff. That's me just in a nutshell anyways. But as an organization, if you're not incorporating the whys behind something, every time you communicate what you're doing it, 
right? That creates gaps. People are going to fill in the stories. It's just natural human instinct to say like, oh, well, this must be why we're doing this. Well, that may or may not be true. So constantly reinforcing those whys, that has been a big lesson for us. And, you know, self-admittedly, there's been a few times where even I, as much as I lead with that, I failed to do that. And it didn't necessarily trip us up, but it created a, oh, hold on a sec. Let's take a step back or two. Let's remind ourselves. Let's reground ourselves. What are we doing? Where are we going and why? So I think that is probably the biggest thing that's coming out of this and some specific examples of that. As we came through the end of last year, we started to talk about 2021 in a way where we said, hey, we're going to continue to strengthen our teams in our core markets, but now we're also going to go to new markets. We're going to expand beyond Minneapolis and Chicago. We're going to go to new places, but that's going to require some shifts of how we do some things. And that was some initial angst of like, wait, 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 I've always done it this way. I know how to do this. I'm really good at doing it this way. It's like, yep. And... We're not saying you can't do that. We're going to enable you to continue that, but in a different way. And those learnings of, well, you know, in certain instances, like, well, I used to always click this and this in Bullhorn. Now you tell me I have to click this and this. Yep. It's the same amount of clicks, just gets you a better result. So those are some learnings of helping them understand how does this really day in, day out impact their job, impact their role, make it easier for them to find success for our business development teams, how to help them truly put more people back to work. When you ground yourselves back in that common shared vision and mission, it helps even when they still maybe aren't sold yet, right? They're still kind of back in the resistance stage on the change curve, come through that quicker. So those whys, breaking it down to the individual team member, how this benefits you and what you can do with it. That is a huge one. I think one of the biggest wins you know, that we identified was also you can't over communicate in a healthy way, the wins themselves, right? When things work, like you introduce a new technology, you put a new business process behind to support it. When it did what you intended it to do, and it starts to do it over and over and over again, celebrate it, have fun with it and make it be part of your culture where it's like, Hey, this is again, why we did this thing and look at it actually doing what we said it was going to do. So back to their instant returns. Look, when somebody uses something first time and it helped them put someone to work that I use the old but for rule here, but for that new technology or but for that new process wouldn't have happened. Okay. Now you got a champion. Now you got someone who's going to articulate all day long. And I've been on a couple of conversations and kind of like refresher training sessions with our internal teams over the last two to three months where there was somebody on the team that said, Oh, I already figured that out how to do that. You do this, this, and this. And oh, by the way, when you do this, this is the result you get. Right. And so when those internal champions really start to kind of show up, boy, your change processes, you can manage through them a lot easier as an organization. And you just have more people to rely on to help you know, champion that change versus the same people or the same group of project team members you know, having to kind of beat that drum themselves all the time. Well, we talk about those early evangelists and how fundamentally important they are to the whole process. And when you find those champions, you got to hold on to them because this is the road to self-improvement. The road to digital transformation is always under construction, right? <laughs> so it's not going to go away. So how do you take those evangelists and create an innovation team. I don't care what size you are and I don't care what anybody tells me. I think that you don't have to be the Ron Stodds of the world with an innovation fund to innovate and to continue to do research and development within your own organization. I think it's finding those champions and doing more with them. 
Yeah. I mean, that's been one of our mantras here, you know, last even six months is with all of the digital transformation we've gone through and the new technologies and platforms we've brought into the organization to enhance our capabilities, there is still a, are we getting the most out of it? What more could we do with it? What else is possible, right? Like, so we're a Microsoft 365 shop and their suite of apps, right? And just every day, every week, every month keeps emerging. We're a huge fan of Power Apps. And so we've built literally three or four internal apps on the Power Apps platform that has both given internal team members some creative project opportunities to build some things and do some cool things, but it's also you know, solved some pretty key business problems for ourselves and along the way, creating some pretty cool experiences for now how we engage and do some of our work. So if you're not also looking at what you've already invested in, in that tech stack and the things you've accomplished in your digital transformation journey to what more could you get? And you're constantly doing the kind of what else is out there. All right. It's kind of brought back to your comment about people trying to solve the redeployment. Well, if you're constantly looking for new talent outside of your CRM or your database, and you're trying to bring more in all the time and not getting the most out of your current database, you're going to continue to fall short. Both have to be true. Now, how much focus or kind of percentage where you put effort resource, like each their own on that one, but they both need to exist. You just preached to the choir. Like you, we just added a sermonizer to our choir. Yes, we did. We did. We have a new member of the choir here, but there were three W's that we walked away with here to our listeners that write these down. These are your keys, the whys, the wins, and the what else. If you aren't asking those questions, answering those questions, I love how you said You cannot give them the why enough. That helping communicate the vision, the why we're doing this, the what's in it for them, that is the foundation of all of this. And then celebrating the wins, you know, when it's a big undertaking to implement a new technology and with the hope, right? You know, we go through all of the demos, right? That it's going to work the way that it's intended. And when it does, oh my goodness, you must celebrate it. And then that's why metrics are so important and ensuring that every vendor partner that you have, you have a metric of success. Whether it's minimizing time to fill or increasing candidate flow, whatever it is, that metric will help you with that. Okay, what else is there? Are we capturing as much goodness out of this technology as we possibly can? That hunger for continuing to challenge your vendor partners is going to make you a really good vendor partner. But it's also going to help you get more than the next guy out of a standard tool. Something that stood out to me and something that I always think about is like when you hire internally, Having the people that are curious about technology and not afraid to tell you about a new technology because of that mindset of innovation and how to kind of cultivate that internally. I think there's a thing where sometimes like in different sales cultures, right? Or you could just sales culture where mm-hmm. it's like every man eats for themselves and that's not helpful. And it doesn't sound like Cielo has that. So I'm not saying that like what you guys have because you sound like the complete opposite where it's like the whys make sense and the wins are making sense. So like, Let's all start like free tools, right? Like everyone learned about Grammarly. Mm-hmm. So everyone was sharing Grammarly, which was huge for a guy like me who doesn't like writing full coherent sentences sometimes. <laughs> but that's the kind of mindset that you need to cultivate. And it comes from things only fall one direction in companies. And so if it's not going to come from the top and you're not going to have this mindset of innovation, then everyone else in the organization is not going to have that mindset as well. So has that been something that you've noticed too coming in? So I don't know if you saw this on our website or not, but we've got six core values inside the organization that have existed from day one. And to your point, it started on the top, right? It started with our two co-founders, Amy Langer and John Folkstead, having this same shed of core values. 
So the first 10 years they were in the business, you know, we hadn't written them down and defined them, but we were all operating the same way. So when we, the first time we sat down we said, okay, these are the six core values and this is what it means to Salo. Innovation was one of the six. That was super awesome. That's I think been- I saw that before, but... Yeah. 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 So, but what's now turned into that is innovation has a certain kind of like always trying to like think of something new sometimes, right? Versus just challenging the status quo. And so our interpretation of that now is we've actually embraced and named it our value is curiosity. So everyone we bring into the organization, right? One of our kind of hiring criteria, well, right, is meet our six core values. And one of which is curiosity, challenging the status quo. And that is just something we're perpetually doing and saying, okay, how do we get better? Recognizing there's got to be a different way. And whether that's leveraging technology or different business process or different talent, there has to be a way to improve. So challenging the status quo, absolutely. And that's, I think, been one of the really fun parts of this digital transformation for us is there's a lot of challenging the status quo that we've been able to do inside the organization saying, yeah, it's worked to this point, but will it work when we have twice as many people coming through the system? Probably not. Let's think about how that's going to need to look and feel. Yeah, I mean, I like the curiosity over innovation. And by the way, innovation doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to tell you unless you ask them to tell you. Yep. They might be doing it, they might be thinking it, but the, having the culture of actually expressing it in the organization itself requires leadership to have that openness to it. Yeah. I think part of that is creating an environment where honest feedback can be given, right? If people feel safe to say, mm, this isn't working, or hey, this part works, but this doesn't. You have to make sure that when you're communicating the whys, the wins, the what else is, the what else is inclusive of honest feedback. The new Netflix yep. book, the Reed Hastings, Aaron Meyer book, the new No Rules Rules. It's like transparency and radical transparency and feedback is something that Netflix values. And they just, Aaron was not used to it, like the co-writer with the CEO. And so even though she was addressing a whole group of Netflix people globally, she asked everyone to raise their hand if they had questions. Obviously, Americans raise their hands only to ask questions because that's what we do as a culture. She got into the crowd. There's people from everywhere. I think it was a Brazilian woman. She says, goes up to her and she's like, hey, you talk about understanding cultural dynamics of different countries. This is during the presentation that she's giving at Netflix is like, event. And she's like, if you only call on people who raise their hand, only Americans are get called on. You have to know that the Japanese and the Brazilians are not going to raise their hands. You should just call on us if we're making eye contact. Because she has a whole book about like understanding uh-huh. different cultures and how they express that they want to communicate with you. And that's the culture map by Aaron Meyer. She was taken aback by how radically transparent the feedback was. I can't, I'm saying the wrong word. It's not radical. But it was just fascinating that they called her out. Like she put them in groups and she went down to the audience to talk to everyone. And someone like called her over and said that to her in the presentation. And she was like, oh my God, like they really live this culture value of that feedback. So it was pretty interesting. I always love highlighting that. Anyway, so vision, what's what else? Give me the what else. Yeah, what else? I think, again, to your point, like we've created some really great uniquenesses about ourselves. One of them that I'm personally passionate about the organization is too, is, you know, from a candidate experience standpoint, you know, candidates are going to continue to engage with organizations where they know what's going on. Right? They recognize, what do I need to do to find meaningful work? What do I need to do to make sure that you know, we're in good communication? So this continued theme of transparency, but just kind of openness, that is a key thing for me as I think about where we go next is for everyone that's already with us, how do we provide that to them? Kind of open up the gates a little bit more to see inside the shop. Mm-hmm. But as we go to attract new talent to the organization, as we do go on this growth journey and expand on a national footprint, how do we make sure people that don't know us and don't understand and haven't yet experienced our value proposition, they've got some instant 
access to that and understanding of that. And so creating that visibility, that transparency from the time someone sees some sort of LinkedIn campaign post and they show up on our website to the first time they're billing an hour on their first project with us. How does somebody really kind of go like, holy crap, that was an amazing experience. And I knew every step of the way, what was going on, what I needed to do, what Salo was doing. Because if we can get more people there, then we leverage what we already do well of saying, well, when this one's over, you're going to get five more just like it and keep redeploying. And so that I think is going to create you know a huge growth opportunity for us when we bring that to the organization. But that's going to challenge a lot of our current tech stack. That's going to challenge a number of our current business processes and the teams that we have in place and who does what when. But that's the exciting part of digital transformation is you get to kind of put it all on the table and say, all right, now what? Yeah. That I think that you keyed in on something as you continue to innovate and as you continue to transform, that transparency is the core of that. Rob likens it to the Domino's experience, right? Domino's, you see when the pizza is being made, when it's out, yeah. when it's in somebody's hand, when, and how long it's going to take to get into your hands. And that same experience is what you know, regardless of vertical, oddly enough. And I think these are some consumer habits that are now bleeding into how we find jobs is that people want that transparency and want that communication yeah. and want to know what's happening. So how do you continue to innovate and create, like you say, a meaningful experience? So what's fascinating is Ryan Kovac and I did our office hour on marketing a couple of weeks back. And we talked about creating web pages, like actual parts of your website that describe each part of the process. Because the buyer journey, when someone engages with your brand, unless they're being redeployed, Adam, right? Is they already know who they're going to buy. They're already like 80, 90% through the journey before they even interact with a salesperson or a recruiter. Mm -hmm. And also because of the way Google indexes and searches and does things, if you have blog pages, those are different than actual website pages. Yeah, And you have to have all the process of how a buyer would buy as pages and all the process of how a candidate would be recruited and placed as its own set of pages. And so like we were talking about these like hundred page websites, not a lot of hundred blogs, but a hundred pages of mm-hmm. your website that really just lay out and cross link to each other about like, okay, at this point you're going to go here, here. Like, so if you're at the interview stage, here's what you can expect working with the sailor recruiter at the interview stage. Now here's a blog on interview tips that's linked from that interview stage Here's how you should dress. Here's some other thoughts that we like. And then it gets to the, okay, you're in an offer. Now, how do you deal with your offer? And like, you're, so you're creating web pages and then you're cross-linking back to other parts of your website to win the Google battle. But it's not blogs, it's websites that are explaining the process yeah. because the buyer journey is done online now. Whether totally. that's a candidate being placed or someone buying a piece of software, someone buying a product. Yeah. So to give you full credit, Rob, right? I have used your Domino's tracker analogy at least a half a dozen times internally here in the past three weeks when people are like, well, what are you talking about? Like, what do you even mean? And then, you know, it leapfrogs into other life experiences. So you're right, Lauren, the entire consumer journey has been forever changed by, you know, the likes of Amazon and everybody else. And I think we, and I say we, like the staffing industry, we have a unique opportunity right now to get out ahead of this before the rest of kind of corporate talent acquisition catches up, right? Because we're all in the same talent race, right? So whether, you know, pick your vertical, pick whatever it is, right? Like, yeah, we can say our competitors are A, B, and C other companies in the staffing industry, but it's also like sitting here in Minneapolis, Target headquarters down the street, right? United Health Group's headquarters down the street, right? These are behemoth brands, right? That attract a ton of talent. 
we're stacking up against them to say, uh-uh, don't go work there, come work here instead. And so the opportunity we have to say, hey, here's what that looks like and what it's going to take. And also you can have control and you're going to have some choice. That is by far going to give us a competitive advantage in the, our industry from even corporate hiring. So we're looking at it not just from within the industry itself, but you know, as we stack up for kind of these talent wars against other organizations. So you're right, Rob, I'm all in on creating the uh, Salo uh, tracker or whatever it's going to be called. I like it. No, yeah, that'll be fun. That's a product, Lauren. We need to get somebody on that for us. Anyway, we were just looking at other products earlier today too, which are fascinating. Number one, this has been amazing. I'm super, super jazzed to get into the wild. Adam, any last thoughts or Lauren, any last thoughts? The three W's. Yeah, if our listeners don't take the whys, the wins, and the what else's, I mean, that's a beautiful, succinct checklist. I love checklists. I love to give our listeners checklists. And I think that those are little gold nuggets of beautiful morsels of wisdom to give our listeners. I would just add to that, take a step. It doesn't matter what direction, what you're trying to solve, take a step. Don't get paralyzed because it can be overwhelming of where do you begin? What's the right technology? Like, it's okay. Just take a step and each step will build on itself and build the right momentum. And I think you'll be on your way in a meaningful way. Yeah. Start with the end in mind. Don't have perfection paralysis, which is what we call it in marketing, right? Like when you're afraid to ship an email or ship a creative image because you don't think it's perfect, like just ship it. It's Done is better than perfect. Yeah. All these life lessons. And by the way, Shout out to HBR, because that's who did the initial domino case study. And one of the things I took from working at Bullhorn, we had our deck that we show at the beginning of a demo for a new customer or we're selling something new. They had that, I don't know if you were a part of the Bullhorn demo when Salo bought, but they would liken digital transformation to Domino's isn't a pizza company anymore. They're a technology company that sells pizza. I think Art actually said that in his keynote at Bullhorn Engage X the other day, which having all jazzed up, but I got that story and that mindset and I ate Domino's pizza because I wanted to test the tracker for the first time ever. I think I've had Domino's since I was a kid, but I ate it just so I could watch the tracker. It's super engaging, right? And it's the way it is. Or they decided to fill in potholes or they were the first ones to geofence so they could deliver to parks. Like they just win technology better than any other delivery food company, even better than Uber and like DoorDash, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I want to make sure we give credit where credit's due. I learned that from Bullhorn. Shout out to Bullhorn and that team and the go-to-market team over there. Anyway, Adam, how do people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sprecker, LinkedIn. Shoot me a message to connect. Love to talk about this stuff and you know, love learning at the same time. So if you're doing something that's super cool and innovative, I am all ears to learn about it and engage. And Adam's Tech Talk was the second most engaged or watched session at yep. Bullhorn Engage X. Yes. Arts was the most popular. So let's give credit credits to <laughs> Adam. Give one more thing. I will add this. Make sure it's super clear here. We here at Salo have had that amazing experience to have Lauren be a partner for us since what was it August, September? Like we're coming on a year now, right? Uh, yeah, um, we are. We are. Like, which is freaking amazing to think it's gone that fast. And so that would be maybe one last thing is as you're beginning your digital transformation, talking about kind of tech and kind of what comes next, surround yourself with the experts, right? Don't try to figure it out on your own. I mean, literally don't because there's just too much out there and a lot of really great stuff, but the how it needs to connect and work with each other, how importantly it is to work in line with your business and your brand, go surround yourself with some experts that know this space, that do this for a living. We've been privileged to have Lauren be a part of that and give us some great guidance. And we've had a ton of fun and banter back and forth. So it's been a ton of fun. But yeah, that'd be the last thing I would encourage anyone to say, like, where do I even begin? You can pick up the phone, call someone like Lauren or maybe somebody else, but it's a good option. Anyone will do, but I'm going to 
to start paying you for for endorsements. <laughs> that was not planned, by the way. Also, you could listen to the podcast too, because that's literally what we talk about every episode. <laughs> Adam, this has awesome. been great. Thank you. thank you so much. We thank love you. it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Lauren, thank you. Thank you, Rob. All right, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for tuning into the You on the Experience podcast. This is Rob. And I'm Lauren. Now go do something good. Bye, guys.